for the benefit of those with flash photography. tag team podcast hosted by a real live tag team i am colin delaney as always in a moment you'll hear the sultry voice of my tag team partner and co-host his name is cheech i think that's probably the first time anyone's ever called cheech's voice sultry and it really doesn't matter because i don't think he ever listens to these intros so i could literally say anything about cheech in these things but i don't because i'm a good person uh anyways Sorry for the delay on the podcast this week. If I'm being honest, it's just because I'm busy. Uh, Me and Cheech started this podcast uh, during the pandemic to, you know, keep ourselves fresh, uh, keep our minds sharp, keep us thinking about tag team wrestling, keep us on the same page, you know, for when things come back. Well, things are coming back. Uh, (laughs) We've got some bookings lined up. We've got some shows coming up. Uh, I have teamed up with Heroes Hideout. They are a store out of Albany, if you're not familiar. They sell collectibles, Funkos, wrestling figures, NECA figures, all kinds of things. I've teamed up with them, and uh, we are opening up a store here in Rochester. So that has taken a lot of my brain space currently. And yeah, just uh, just been busy. But lucky for you folks, that means that you are going to get two podcasts this week. Also, I was in a bunch of other podcasts last week, so you got your fill of me. Uh, This week, you'll get more of me with two podcasts. And the first one will be this one that you're listening to right now. And it is about the team of Paul London and Brian Kendrick. Man, if you... I know I'm already doing... uh, tape study for next week's podcast or this week's podcast but man if you were like hey colin i need you to watch 20 more london and kendrick matches right now i'd be like no problem done i could watch those dudes all day they are two of my favorites uh singles so of course as a tag team i'm gonna love basically everything they do and i do so uh yep that's it. Two podcasts this week. At the end of this episode, you will learn who we are going to do next week for our 50th episode. I know, 50. Pretty wild. Pretty wacky. But yes, so that's it. Here we go. It's Paul London. It's Brian Kendrick. You can call him the hooligans. You can call him Lundrick. Just don't call him late for dinner. Okay. Okay. Hello. Hello. Hi, Cheech. Okay. 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 Where are we at? Where are we at? What's going on? This week. This is the week. Uh, it, it didn't take long. This is the week that I'm officially mad that I can't access the actual WWE network. Hoy. Well, it's, it's, it's no ballroom on the inside. It's, it's been an annoyance. You know, like we try to dance around it, see what we can do. But this week we have uh, an incredible team that would have had probably a lot of of uh, more matches so on many. the WWE Network that I could have dug into. And as like, I didn't get mad until I was like three or four matches in and I was like, oh my God, like I'm just getting what I can get off YouTube and watching this grainy YouTube video when there used to be this thing called the WWE Network that would have provided me with crystal clear footage of exactly what this is. Yeah, no, I'm still trying to formulate how I think of it. I was like, I don't know. I feel like once you've given like that vast amount of wrestling content out there to then kind of take it away, it's like, like to me, it's like, it's like if they took away Spotify or something, be like, you can't do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 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 you can't take away all my music aka also you can't take away all my matches right it's like yeah one day uh netflix just doesn't exist they're just like no no no. it's with you know there's 
you can find some of what's on Netflix somewhere else, but most of these things that are on Netflix that you love, you know, you no longer have access to. Yeah, unfortunately, I bit the bullet and got the network, and it is no picnic. Like, unfortunately, I had to use these two as like uh, as guinea pigs to try and learn how to navigate this whole new network because oh, uh, the search function isn't, but uh, it's there, but like it, like. Okay, like, for example, on the old network, I would literally just look up London, Kendrick, Versus, and there'd be, like, 99-plus matches to choose from. This one, you look up any of that, and it's, like, no results, no results, no results. So I had to go – I had to do some old-school um, – I had to look up, the, like, on the cage match and then look up, like, Raw Season 13 and then try and find it through all the commercials. Yeah, it's no picnic. And despite the terrible search feature and – me having to use YouTube and Daily Motion, we did it. It's it's Paul London, it's Brian Kendrick, it's Lundrick, it's the Hooligans, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, the Hooligans is 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 the most common one, but yeah, I always did I always did like the Lundrick. Lundrick, we almost uh, I I brought them up for the uh, the month of teams with no names, but I suppose they don't necessarily qualify because they do kind of have a name. But I think yep. most people just call them Paul London and Brian Kendrick. Nope, nope, they definitely do. But yeah, I remember you did bring them up, but I was like, ah, they're known enough as the hooligans. They're known as hooligans enough in canon. They're not necessarily called hooligans, uh, per se, as like the common nomenclature. That's right, big words. I used to have that shirt with the uh, the jester guy on the front. Oh, cool. Uh, I wish I I wish I knew where it went. I got it from the uh, when WWE they would clean out their uh, their random merch locker. And they would just put all the shirts on a table and you could just claim whatever was your size. So I scored a sweet uh, Jester, Lennon, and Kendrick shirt. And I have a Hornswoggle shirt still floating around. Uh, I know exactly. At the, bo- the, the, uh, the bottom drawer of my uh, drawers is where I have old wrestling shirts. There's definitely an ROH Spanky shirt in there. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, go, I go way back with my Spanky love. Like... Uh, as soon as I saw him at King of Indies 2001, thank you, thank you. That's right. That's a Mark Flex right there. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, I, I, somewhere there's a picture of me and Spanky at the Oregon Diner. Oh, like, cool. Oh, oh, two, oh, three. I think, uh, funny enough, I think after an ROH show, I definitely saw him at the Oregon Diner with a bunch of other wrestlers eating there, too. Yeah, I got a Mark picture with him. He was wearing like a bright red Heinz ketchup ketchup shirt. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about <laughs> right. And and also correlated to last week, I also definitely have two version two yeah yeah two volumes of Best of Spanky from like an R video of Best of. Oh, I used to have uh, from the People's tapes. I had uh, Best oh. of Best of Spanky at the Texas Wrestling Academy. Oh, see, I had that, and then I lived. I was there live for Paul London becoming a thing. I was there at the ill-forgotten first debut when he was part of the Texas Wrestling Academy tag match where he moonsaulted on that dude and broke his leg or whatever. Chris Marvel. Yeah, there you go, Chris Marvel. I remember, I was like, I wonder if you did. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Yeah, yeah, he moonsaulted, broke this guy's leg, then came back a month later and did like a shooting press dive and was like, Literally, that crowd just made him, and he literally rode that wave all the way to WWE. Yeah, but I mean, and, and we'll get into it, but holy crap, that dude is like, uh, I mean, uh, he's one of the uh, the original of, of guys you see today. He's like where a lot of that current day comes from, where you see guys who uh, almost look like they glide across the ring. Paul is like where that starts. I feel and crazy. And yes, <laughs> yes, I know we are. We are. This is a weird skipping around type thing. But no, like this is just this is their history leading up to when they got, they both eventually did work their way from ROH and places like that where we saw them up to WWE and they got tagged together. And I think everyone, or at least anyone who was in our position that had seen them previously, was excited. So I'll weave this into our preliminary thoughts. When you brought this team back up again, actually, I remember I was skeptical. I was like, ooh, I don't know if footage will be that easy. But once again, they are – they're from an era before 
So, like, I feel like the reason they had so much stuff on YouTube is because they're from that era of people who watch tapes or, like, bought initial DVDs and would put cool matches of guys they liked that they'd seen earlier on YouTube. So that's why I was surprised when there was as much content on YouTube as there was. Yeah, there, there really was a, a decent amount. But, it, yeah, my preliminary thoughts. I was excited. I'm a, I'm a huge Brian Kendrick fan. I'm a huge Paul London fan. Uh, when I was in WWE, I traveled a bit with Brian, uh, you know, hung out with Paul some, like, uh, great dudes, uh, incredible wrestlers. Uh, I loved them in Ring of Honor. I loved their stuff. I remember loving their stuff when they teamed in WWE. So I was excited, man. I, I was. Yeah, no, I was excited, but I was doubtful. I was like, uh, I don't know. And then I was like, oh, wow, they do have a good amount of stuff online. I, and I I equated that, too. I was like, oh, because they're from that era before. You know what I mean? Like, I, I bet you they have more matches of their WWE run on YouTube than, like, say, like a modern team, like, I don't know, like Viking Raiders or something. Where You know, sure. you, you know what I mean? Yeah, you'll find, like, two-minute clips of them. Yeah, that's all you'll find with modern-day teams, but teams from back then. And it was plus, it was like a cool thing, because you were like, oh, look, London and Kendrick, they're on heat. Let's put it online, because, you know, they don't get on that much, but they're on heat. Let's put it online, you know what I mean? So that is one thing. So a lot of the matches I watched, I wouldn't have been able to watch with the network anyways, because they, uh, especially in the beginning, were the kings of velocity and heat. Yep, yep, yep. No, that's definitely true. Yeah, like I said, I had to go look and dig in their cage match, kind of like how you normally do. And when I did, I had to look and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a lot of velocities. Oh, yeah. And a lot uh-huh. of, and, I, and I kept, it kept screwing me up when it would say blah, 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 like house show would be like Mania X7. I was like, they were on Mania. It was like house show tour. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, you got to you gotta look for that little, uh, the little uh, marker next to the match. It'll tell you if it was televised or not. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I learned a lot with this with this new world we live in, minus the uh, network version one. All right, let's get into their championships and accomplishments. Bring them on. All right, so they are so technically they're one time WWE tag team champions and one time world tag team champions. Oh. I think that means one time Raw and one time SmackDown. Okay. But one of those reigns was 334 days, which set a record. Yes, indeed. I, but that was the SmackDown ones. Yeah, the SmackDown ones. I think they only held the Raw ones for like a week. Sounds about right, knowing Monday Night Raw. Yeah, uh, their Monday Night Raw. We'll get into it. Their Monday Night Raw run is weird. Um, they are the 2007 PWI Tag Team of the Year. Okay, cool. They were number 45 on the Sports Illustrated Top 50. Whoa. And they were number 48 on WWE's Top 50. Wow, that's kind of surprising. Okay, did you think they'd be on uh, high on all these lists? Uh, because of that one run which set a record. Yes. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, that makes sense. Because until the New Day broke it, uh, that you know that was a, a a standing record until a couple years ago. Yeah, no, it definitely was, definitely was. Yeah, they, yeah, it was, and it was a fun run. Like, and it wasn't like, yeah, it was just as lauded as like New Days. It was a hell of a run. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, three hundred thirty-four days. They almost had a, a full full year, so they were like a month shy of a year. Uh, so I I thought that they would make some lists. I I was actually surprised that they were tag team of the year one year just because. At this point, when teams are, it surprises me because we've done so many episodes and I feel like we've covered so many years. No, there's still holes in there. I, I, I'm not, I wasn't surprised, especially makes more sense. I'm assuming that year was the year they had the titles, probably. Right. For the entire year. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, that's that's it. But that's, you know, that's 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 pretty good. Uh, I. I guess I don't know. The one is so long that it makes sense that there's not more. Well, because correct me if I'm wrong, isn't aren't they only together for what? Like in the WWE, was it like three, maybe four years? Yeah, it's like three years, basically. Uh, so a third of that was was they were champions at least. <laughs> right, 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 right. Which is a a, a shame. Uh, they got uh, yeah, like the one year. The like the 07 draft, they after they lost the tag titles, they got drafted over to Raw. Yep. 
and then the 08 uh, draft, they got split up and drafted to different shows. Yeah, that's the problem with that draft. They always like to split up a team, and it's it is what you know. Come on, look at it. They, it's just they don't care that much about teams. <laughs> Oof, uh, man, this team listing of of opponents that I watched is nutty. Yeah, that yeah. Let's get into it because that's the thing. Like <laughs> they were really good. They're they're. Their tag team competition, yeah, so much. <laughs> wacky. Super yeah. wacky. You want to go first? Yeah, okay. Here's the thing. I did my list very short this time because of these odd restraints and life things. And, you know, but I got in, let's see, I got a them versus the Mexicals. And this was of Psychosis and Super Crazy on a SmackDown. Uh, World's Greatest Tag Team on a Raw from 07. Uh, Deuce and Domino from a SmackDown. Uh, this had to be like the the week. This was literally like their last match in their Raw match or something because that Raw match was three days after this SmackDown match, which was their last SmackDown match. Because I guess they were yeah, that's right. They were in the supplemental draft in between. Um, there's an Eminem match for um from a SmackDown in 06. A Pitbulls of Kid Cash and Jamie Noble from a SmackDown 06. Um, I remember it. I still have on my computer. London and Kendrick versus Chuck Taylor and Johnny Gargano from PWG. Wow. I got back into the, uh, I got Eminem. I went to, I, I dug into the pay-per-views. Uh, I got the Eminem from Judgment Day 06. And then I got them versus Pitbulls from Great American Bash 06. And then I ended on a oddly kind of fun, a heat match with uh, Regal and Paul Burchill. Oh, that's the match I started with. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. That was oddly fun. Uh. I, I remember starting off and being like, and it's like four minutes. It's incredible. It's so weird. Yeah, I dug it. Uh, so, all right, you ready for <laughs> you ready for this? And I, we, I hit a bunch of those same matches. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, you know, most of them were on YouTube, yeah. So I started with the Regal and Burchill. Then I moved on to a Scotty Charisma and Art Kincaid from a Velocity in 05. Uh, there's an Eminem match from a Velocity in 05. There is the Pitbulls, Jamie Noble and Kid Cash from 06, a match with them against the Dicks. I watched them wrestle the Dicks, followed by them wrestle the Gymni. I was going to say, I was going to say, the Gymni too. Oof. Then I watched the Psychosis and Super Crazy match, then uh, World's Greatest Tag Team from Raw in 07, then Deuce and Domino from SmackDown in 07, then a Caden Murdoch from Raw in 07, a Rhodes from uh, Raw in, I think, late 07. And then I watched uh, a Regal and Taylor and a Helms and Chavo Guerrero to end it off. Ooh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. So, yeah. Uh, there's as, as you've just heard us list teams, there are so few teams in either of our lists that is worth a damn. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I had to like double up on the M&Ms and the Pitbulls and stuff because I was like, okay, at least those teams are, you know, you know, worth their weight and, you know, worth the watch too. But uh okay. Let's let's just let's go back let's go back to the start. The Regal and Virtual one but that we just discussed. It, uh super fun, 4 minutes before a pay-per-view, I think. And they're in trunks here, both in trunks. Yeah, exactly. That was the first thing I was like, oh, in trunks. I was like, what era is this from? That was, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. That was before they went to the shorts, right? This wasn't some weird in-between thing, was it? No, this is pre-shorts because I also watched an Eminem match from a Velocity in 05 where they're also in trunks. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a good look, but like I get WWE's weird about little guys and trunks and stuff. But by December '05, when they had that job match against Scotty Charisma and Art Kincaid, they were in shorts. I've been on shows with Scotty Charisma. Wow, I, I his name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the million Scots in the Indies. Uh, <laughs> I think he was. Uh, he, I I used to be on like Connecticut Indies with him. But like right off the bat, in that Regal and Birchall, because that's probably one of their first handful of, of matches together when they decided they were going to team them up, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's really early on. And even in four minutes, man, uh, like great teamwork, great cells, great fire. Oh, they play their parts to a T all day, all night. 
Yeah. And with, and with anybody, you know, like uh, there were times where I was like, Oh, I really like them with, with, uh, with cruiserweights. Oh, th- these cruiserweight matches are great. And then I'd watch them with big guys. I'm like, Oh, I, they work really well. I think they're really good with big guys. I like watching them wrestle big guys. And it's like, uh, I think they're just good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I, I, I realized that kind of quick. I was just like, Oh, they're just really good at wrestling. And there was, and it's weird because like, I don't know. Like we almost could have thrown them into our uh, our rock and roll rockers Hardy's Young Bucks mix. Yeah, unfortunately, the problem was they were in this weird era where the where they split the crews and the tag teams were not deep enough to do that with. And yeah, that's why. Like, if they had better competition, I'm sure they would have been. But they were working Deuce and Domino, and you know, but uh, Eminem. Regal and Burchill is little, you know, and random teams here and stuff. And well, I mean, World's Greatest Tag Team were great, but yeah, you know I mean, that was that I saw had a million house show matches, and like, yeah, it was on TV, and they got, I think they got like a pay per view match, but like, that's about it. That's the problem. They didn't like they would feud with a team and maybe, maybe get one pay per view. Well, you can see that like oh five when they team them up, clearly they're they're a bit starved for teams, right? Because there's look at who they get to wrestle after that. Uh, yeah. But Eminem is on top. And that velocity match I watched of them against Eminem, I was like, oh, of course they then put them immediately into a program with Eminem and have them take the titles off them because that match rules. Yeah. Oh, no. They, and I, I assumed it was just the, oh, look, these two teams are kind of obviously made for each other. Yeah. The, the, it was like a 10 minute velocity main event. And I remember it ending and being like, man, I wish, uh, I wish Brian Kendrick broke that pin up so I could get this match to keep going for 10 more minutes. Yeah. It was just the problem of this weird era, right? When they did the splits and they didn't know how, and obviously, I mean, it was totally new to the WWE, but yeah, like that's the thing. Cause they did have a feud with Eminem and like, I remember watching it and, you know, having to like search out when they'd get a big match on like one of the TV shows. It's just like, if it would have just gotten more push behind it, you know what I mean? Like if they would have, if they would have treated um, London and Kendrick versus Eminem, the way they treat like the Usos versus new day with that sort of reverence, maybe we would have remembered them more and they would have been, you know, slid right into that that baby face slot that we had had. Yeah, totally. But also they, uh, they feel to me, uh, you know, cause they're, they're kind of playing that role, but to me, they feel more like they'd be in like a, a, a junior tag league, you know? Oh, they'd crush it. In a which, junior tag which league. the bucks do fit that mold, but like the Hardys don't fit the mold of a junior tag league. The rockers, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess for the time, but not really like, well, the other component we had going with, with that lineage of teams was that they were also, like, crossed over into the pop culture, where, unfortunately, the hooligans did not. Like, you know what I mean? Right. They didn't have Funko Pops at Hot Topic. I'd, I'd have bought one. I'll buy one tomorrow if they make one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, but you know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't, they weren't pushed. The WWE was not their vehicle. They, and it almost, like, I kind of feel like the WWE kind of threw them together because they're like, all right, two baby faces, yay. And then all of a sudden they had something on their hands and they're like, oh, crap, we got something. All right, let's do something. Uh, we don't know what to do. Uh, here, just take the belts for a year. Like, you know what I mean? It felt like they knew what they had on their hands, but they didn't or they couldn't do anything with it because they didn't give them a division to run. Well, with both of them, you know, throughout their their history with the company, uh WWE knew they had something on their hands with them, clearly, because they both got pushed pretty regularly, even outside of the team situation. Yeah, unfortunately, they felt in the, well, they not felt they fell into the cruiserweight malaise of, oh, they're little guys. You know what I mean? So that's the thing. They still were getting like, you know, press time. They're still getting burned. You know what I mean? Like they were getting playing time. But it was in such small, like it was on heat. It was on velocity. You know what I mean? Like so, like yes, they knew what they had on their hands because they used them, but they didn't use them prominently. That's the only problem. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, but some of the stuff that you're seeing in these matches, I was like, I, I feel it makes me want to go back and watch like more uh, of their stuff in that Dicks match. 
against the Dicks. Do you even remember the Dicks? Yeah, weren't they the two big jacked up guys? No, it's Chad and Tank Toland as the Dicks. They were like uh, male dancers or yeah. something. But weren't they short and jacked up? Yeah, they were kind of. They weren't like they weren't super big. They weren't like the Gemini. No, I know that, but I'm saying they were kind of yeah. They were, but but like. If you were in a locker room with them, they'd be they'd be big guys. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. The finish to this Wait. match. What's the that? The finish to this match. Paul London gets one dude on the floor, tries to jump off of the other dude's back and Fosbury over the top rope to the floor. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Uh, one of my favorite things is remembering. Oh yeah, Paul London crazy. The reckless abandon he has at times, but like. Uh, and that one, it, it goes, it goes super scary. He like barely clears, and then Spanky just hits a slice bread. But I was like, "Holy crap! What was he thinking?" Yeah, the best part is, uh, <laughs> I described it in all ways. Oh, he's really good at his at controlled crazy, which sounds nuts because the stuff he does is very not in control. But as an as a wrestler who also is an idiot sometimes, like I get his mindset of like. No, you know, law of averages, I think there's a, you know, an 80% chance I hit it fine. Dude. Like, I mean, like, in my, in my head, I can, I understand his calculus when he comes up with these insanity things. Like, what was the crazy one I saw? Oh, the crazy one I saw, he, he skins the cap and then the guy drop kicks him and then he just takes the back bump all the way to the floor. Oh, yeah. He would take that semi-regularly. I know that's what I'm saying. In your head, you're like, that's crazy. And I, and I call that controlled crazy because, like, he knows what he's doing. He gets it. He's like... In no way is it controlled, like he has control over it per se, but like it's controlled in that he knows all the variables. In that Regal Birchall match, he hits the drop salt into a moonsault at the weirdest angle, but somehow still lands it. I was like, there's, he does it in a way where it's almost like there's no way he meant to do that, but he definitely meant to do that. Yeah, no, he did. It's just the guys were, uh, were bumping around. They weren't quite in super duper position. So he had to like, yeah, he had to body English the kick and then still make it until he landed on Regal. Yeah, it was dope. It was nuts. <laughs> like, uh, I just think about myself doing things like that and think like, oh my God, I would, like, there's no way that I could do that running in motion when things are a little bit left and right. Like, that is a very precise movement. And Paul does it out of literally nowhere. But he's also done it a million times. That's the thing. Sure. You haven't. Banana- but like, yeah. I still understand that it takes like, that's not easy. <laughs> oh no, obviously. But you know I mean? When you're like, I don't know when I think about it, I was like, yeah, you're not Paul London though. Uh, agreed. But it still doesn't, it doesn't compute through my brain properly. Now, the one thing that I found kind of crazy is that once again, we're talking about how great these matches are and how good they are. And they are 1000% in in the WWE playbook for little guys. So like literally they're these matches are great and they're not doing much of anything. Oh, like so- all Brian Kendrick does is punch, kick, forearm, leg lariats and like sunset flips. But when you do them right and with the right uh fire and the right selling, the crowd always gets into it. It blew my mind how he would literally do a leg lariat and it would be a false. Yeah. No, uh, for sure. And like as a tag team who had a run for uh, almost a year, uh, how many tag team moves can you name? That's the thing. The only way they're as good as they are is because they're literally prop. They're I don't know the the prototype. I don't know if they're the product. They're one hundred percent what the WWE wants cruiserweights to be. Like uh, in the in that one job match, they won with an enziguri into a flatliner. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, they were world champions for a year. What's their finish? Yeah, uh, usually uh, a roll-up or Brian Kendrick hitting a slice bread. Or, yeah, or some sort of a combo into a roll-up. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is just crazy that they did all this. They're having all these great matches, and I was like, they're not doing, like, they don't have a wide variety of moves that they're doing this way. Double Japanese arm drag uh, sandwich kicks. That's, I think, the most common uh, double team I saw and I think that that's like early London and Kendrick they abandoned that by like 06 <laughs> yeah they're no their biggest double team is arm ringer come off the top tag out arm ringer come off the top yes yeah 
hundred percent. It yeah. So I mean, it's just baffling, or not even baffling. You need to understand, and I don't know, maybe, maybe people don't. Like, I, as a wrestler, understand that's not easy to do to have really good matches and be like, oh, no, you're only limited to punch, kicks, and roll-ups. Yeah. and But you don't notice it. You, you, you honestly, for the most part, you don't. Like, Paul is a, as we discussed, Paul Lennon's a little bit of a loose cannon where you're bound to get something wacky off of him, but sometimes not even. But like it's crazy because it here's a perfect example, um, it, it, and it's it's funny because it's the it's the I don't know the passage of time I don't know what I'm trying to the the it's the next generation of because Jeff Hardy for his time was like what the WWE wanted from quote unquote cruiserweight even though he's twice the size of Spanky they're basically the same guy in that I remember. Maybe it's because I ended up becoming a wrestler, but I remember even being a fan being like, yo, Jeff Hardy never picks a dude up. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. The most he ever did was he would do the sit-out-front suplex. Yeah, uh, and and I'm sure that Spanky and London weren't really allowed to pick many people up. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's uh, there are times where London does what are the big ones? London can do a flapjack and a belly to belly, they'll let him do. <laughs> as far as I don't even, I can't even, I'm going to tell you right now, I watched 11 or 12 London and Kendrick matches. I don't think I saw Paul London do a belly to belly in any of them. Oh, no, no. I saw him start doing it in a couple of them. Yeah. Whew. But no, uh, it's yeah. uh, like, Think, put that thought through your brain before you go watch uh, a, a Lundrick match. Uh, of like, it, unless Paul gets the hot tag and goes on some crazy uh, end run, you, there's probably almost no like big moves or like, you know. Yeah. So, but so, okay, like here, and we'll take it to the next generation then. It's crazy that he they're having these great matches doing no moves and like the Young Bucks also are having great matches and hitting Ev or Lucha Brothers are having great matches and both of those teams would hit a bajillion moves. You know what I mean? Imagine telling them, all right, go out there, you got 10 minutes, have a really good match and just do punch, kick and roll up. I'm sure they could. They're great tag teams, but it's just that weird, that's, and that's an uncanny ability to have. Yes. You know what yes, I mean? No. A lot of guys, there are a million guys who cannot do that. Like that Regal Birchall match is literally like four minutes, and it's really, really good. Yeah, no, that was one thing. I was kind of pumped when I saw when I did a preliminary look. I go, okay, they got a lot of matches. I go, they're not very long, but I go, knowing the team, these are still going to be very well, of course, they're going to be action-packed. They're only like six to eight minutes. But even the longer matches I dug, like the uh, the Pitbulls match at the Great American Bash, I think it was – it said it was like 13, 14 minutes. That may have been with entrances. But, like, they there was never – like, I like when I'm doing the notes, trying to, like, break down the match. I'll be like, oh, okay, then they take control on London here. And then they – like, there was never a long control. Like, it kept switching and moving. It was just ever-flowing. They just went, like – but it felt like a normal match. It didn't feel like it was a sprint. So that one was really good. Because I remember looking up, I, I, when I looked up in cage match, you could also look up like their notable matches or whatever. And that one, I was like, oh, let me see that. Because I'd watch their TV when I go, ooh, let me see what the pay-per-view has. And yeah, it was great. They got more time. But you'd think, yeah, they're action-packed at six minutes. They're action-packed at 13 minutes, too. Right, right. But like to be able to dial all the way back and still have a super fun, cool match is a skill it's not it's it's not that easy there are a lot of guys out there who would really struggle with that oh i'll say it as a wrestler i think it's harder to have a four minute match than a 10 minute match for sure uh the psycho you know what I mean? you saw the psychosis and super crazy match right yeah that's just so much fun yeah, I was just mad because right off the rip, they were like, oh, super crazy and psychosis aren't getting together. I was like, oh, come on. I really just wanted to see like a badass get down and get to it. And like they still did their stuff, but I was just like, damn it. Why is there always some stupid storylines? Why can't it just be a match sometimes? But it caused for them to do like a fun back and forth where they, they all were kind of getting stuff in. Oh, well, that's the thing. The Mexicals are going to get stuff in, so I knew it would be action-packed, but I thought it would be hampered more by the, oh, no, we don't get along. Uh. So, 
you watched the world's greatest tag team match from 07 Raw. Yes. It is, I believe, their Raw debut. Right? Yes. The supplemental draft. Uh, I, yes. I refuse to not bring this up. Okay. Go Did for you it. listen to the commentary? Yeah. Well, I was listening to the commentary in general. So. Do you recall Jerry Lawler basically accusing Paul London of being the one to blow up Vince McMahon's limo? Okay, yes. Yes. I was going to bring this up when you wanted to talk because I don't know what you mean by, oh, and their Raw run was real weird. That is a weird – say that sentence five times fast. The Raw one was a real weird one. Um, I think it was because when they switched, as I was listening on the commentary, I go, oh, this is when Vince McMahon, quote-unquote, gets killed, and he's doing that walkout, and London's making that stupid face, and that definitely ruffled some feathers. So much so that, of course, Jerry Lawler went super in on it on commentary. Like, in such a serious way. Yeah, and the best is, like, Cole's, like, oh, like trying to get off it. He's like, okay, Jerry, yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, back to the match. And then, like, Lawler go back. Like, no, I really think he must know something. And Cole's trying to move on. Lawler beats that. I was like, was this a thing where Jerry Lawler just accuses everybody on commentary in 07 that, that next week or whatever? No, I just assume I knew didn't all right, if we remember it right, didn't Paul London then have a ton of heat and blah blah blah. I just assume that was part of his punishment is like, Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna definitely call out your stupidity in that walkout promo and we'll mention it all over commentary next week and that's what Lawler did. I don't know. They they won that match against the world's greatest tag team and the finish is real fun. Yeah, that was the other thing. I was like, oh, they brought him in as a team. And I go, okay, of course they're bringing him new. They're going to like win. But like, I feel like that win was probably booked like a month ago. And they were like, all right, I mean, you'll still win, but you're still in a lot of trouble. All right, Paul. It's, uh, they were really good in, in that, in those four or five minute matches, they were really good at like doing a hot tag into a stop, into a one guy gets knocked out, the next guy gets knocked out, and the last guy gets rolled up. Yep. They did that a bunch. They do it in the the hardcore Holly Cody Rhodes match. It, the finish is real, real fun, real that that same type of formula. It also that that match it, that's probably one of their last uh, matches together. And once again, like we talked about the the caliber of teams they had to work with, like hardcore Holly and Cody Rhodes were the tag team champs at the time. <laughs> see there you go and they were and that was a team where it wasn't even that they were that much of a team it was like angry older guy with the young guy you know what i mean it wasn't like oh no mentor and mentee it was like no i'm stuck with this kid yeah Har- hardcore holly uh because how many uh, we we're 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 a tag team podcast how many tag team title runs do you think hardcore holly has i don't know the actual answer but He's probably, okay, he probably doesn't have many, but he probably has more than you'd think because he's had a million tag partners. Yeah. Uh, I could think of three different off the top of my head that, that he won tag titles with. Yeah, so yeah, what? Yeah, you what? You don't think he's a tag team specialist? Well, I, I just, you, I don't know. We're a tag team podcast. Do you think he's a tag team specialist? No, that's, well, here's the problem. He was ne- he was in so many tag teams. He was never in one long enough to be something you know super big. The Holly Cousins or whatever is the most famous just because it was like the first one and it was part of the Attitude Era and it was big and popular. But like he had probably just as long a runs with other people too. It's not the first one. He won the tag titles as Sparky Plug with uh, one two three one, kid. Two, three kid. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, but yeah, once again, you go back even to that, even before he was hardcore. Yeah, I mean, he's always been that kind of fill-in player type. Hardcore Holly, the king of, uh, we don't really have any tag teams. Hey, uh, hey, Bob, how about you win the tag titles with somebody? <laughs> he's WWE's buff Bagwell. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I guess. Who, 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 is it, who is it this year? Yeah, who am I teaming with now? Um. Sorry, sorry for that hardcore Holly tangent. We'll probably never do an episode that includes hardcore Holly, so he had to get his. Yeah, he had to get this was now. Okay, (laughs) this was the hardcore Holly episode in the middle of the Lundrick episode. So, of course, we had talked about how Lundrick and them had not so much the best in WWE, but I got to talk about this PWG match. Oh, please! I was uh, when I saw that on the cage match because they've got 
two. They wrestled the Bucks, I think, in PWG also. Yes, but that's all. I, oh, I saw it was a Kurt Russell Mania, and I didn't. I don't have that one. I wasn't. I wasn't getting PWG stuff at that time. But this one was at PWG ten. So what's that? Yeah, their tenth anniversary. So that's only a few years ago. I don't know what exactly year it is, but it's just weird because London and like London's at this point, and his whole PWG run, if you remember, is very weird because uh, oh, they even say it on commentary. They're like. Uh, Something where he just goes wherever his whim takes him, even during matches. So his matches tend to get weird. So this one literally starts with, I believe the main event is a ladder match, so the title's hanging. And, like, Chuck and Johnny just think it's funny, so he puts them on his shoulders, like, and they can almost reach it. To which point, like, you can't see it, but I could just feel Paul Lund go, oh, my God, we're doing a chicken fight. Brian, get on my shoulders. Brian, get on my shoulders. Brian, get on my shoulders. Sure enough, they go right into a ch- I, I – my eye, I spy a on-the-fly called uh, they do chain spot to headlock to send off to shoulder tackle, and then poor Brian just, like, London doesn't bump with him, so he just falls on his head. <laughs> and that's the start of the match. And you could tell that was, like, not the planned start of the match, because then they separate, and then, like, they wait a minute, and then they just start normal with, like, in-and-out normal tag wrestling. Wow. And I was just like, Wow. I was like that, but that's just London. He was just at that time where anything that came to his mind, he was doing. Yeah. So we saw guys on shoulders and was like, "Oh, we're doing chicken fight." So uh, London and Kendrick. So part of me is kind of uh, uh, in my head. There was probably a Ring of Honor tag match somewhere, and there wasn't, which was kind of surprising because they both have all that Ring of Honor history. They were both around as like free agents at the same time, and were doing some tag stuff. Uh, how Ring of Honor didn't jump on that at all uh, is a bit, uh, s- seems strange to me. Well, at that time, I feel ROH was very corporate. And when they left WWE, let's not forget their weird and wacky shoot interviews and all the wackiness they well, were putting out there. I was just... Like, I feel like they maybe weren't... Pro- I, I, a, I don't think they necessarily wanted to jump into anything corporate. And B, I don't think that corporate necessarily wanted these loose cannons per se. Well, I was just going to say, so the thought of it in my head is like, man, how cool would that have been to have gotten like, you know, like that world's greatest tag team against the Kings of wrestling. Imagine if that was London and Kendrick, that seems super cool, you know? Oh, no doubt. Of course. And I'm sure people at the time were calling for it and wondering like, wow, does this not happen? But I just think at that time, it may not have been the best mix. You know well, what I mean? The, it wasn't the same. ROH. As we're, as we're talking more about it, uh, the more I think about it, the and as you're telling me about this PWG match, and also, uh, if you recall, I wrestled uh, Paul Lennon and Brian Kendrick at 2CW one time. And it was... Yeah, right. You wrestled them, and they were in a... You know what I mean? They weren't the most corporate guys back then. Let's talk about their Smash Brothers match the, the next night or whatever, right? That one was one of the craziest, weirdest matches I've ever seen. Yes. So what I'm getting at is maybe... Uh, the corporate structure of WWE is honestly what kept that team uh, upright. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. And I just think, unfortunately, they were kept so on the straight and narrow for so long that once they left, they were definitely wilding out. Yeah, we. Uh, I remember that me and Jimmy wrestled them and we were hanging out backstage all day. And it is not until... Uh, maybe uh, probably it's we're after intermission for like we're the main event and it is intermission has already happened. I think matches have already gone on and we've finally started potentially putting together a match. Yep. I watched the same thing happen with the smash brothers. They were just having fun with each other. And I was like, Oh, we got to go wrestle. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, let's do something. And it was a whole lot of, Let's just joke about what we'll do. And then they got it. Then I was like, oh, we have to go do it. Well, we didn't really call anything other than jokey stuff. And then they just went and did weird jokey stuff. Yeah. So uh, as once again, uh, the the thought uh, of them doing like a, a random fun Ring of Honor run is fun in my head. But then when I really break it down to myself, I'm like, mm, without the uh, without something to rein that team in, uh, maybe not the best. Well, here's the thing. It does have that odd beginning, but you can definitely tell, like, 
And there was a time there where Brian Kendrick, Spanky, whatever, was definitely getting serious. So this one, he was kind of in a serious mood. So, like, of course, him and London, they're together. So, of course, they had a rather wacky match. Like, they do some big shine spot on Brian, and then London gets in and is, oh, that's right. They do the double back up when they do that stupid white boy dance that they do. And then London comes in with, for no reason, has winter gloves. Starts cutting a promo on him, puts on the gloves, and he's like, I don't really like your dancing. Then takes it off and then goes, I challenge you to a duel. Then slaps him across both faces with the glove. Then he goes for a second time. They duck, yada, yada, yada. It leads into a spot. But, I mean, it's just weird shenanigans like that. But then, like, there's a whole run of, of, think about this, Brian and Johnny Gargano just, like, chain wrestling. Sure. You know what I mean? And them just going super technical with one another. That also happens too. But then you've also got London and Chuck Taylor being, you know, super big personality things. But it's good because it does have the structure of like, uh, it's funny. It's probably one of those maybe eight minute velocity matches. But since it's PWG, it's twice as long because they do all this shtick. They've got, you know, they're doing stuff with the, I challenge you to a duel, the chicken fights, yada, yada, yada. But if you take all that out, it's still just a really good, probably eight-minute match, bing, bang, boom. Uh, it has a cool finish where Brian's going for the sliced bread on Johnny, but uh, Chuck catches him on the shoulder behind, and you know he does that, um, like, reverse razor's edge and tosses him into Johnny's cutter oh, yeah. right in the finish. One, two, three, bing, bang, boom. I was like, oh, that's a cool, that's a cool counter to anybody trying to slice bread, just be the guy behind him and catch him. Yeah. Uh, and so you probably know better than I. Uh, I. I don't I don't think Spanky Spanky's not the inventor of the slice bread, but he's definitely the. The name giver, the name giver and the I mean, the. The one where most people got it from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one that put it on the map. Um, I'm sure someone else has done it. I don't know offhand, but yeah, I'm sure someone has done it before. I'm sure some Joshi wrestler has done it before. You know what was I mean? It a, was it a uh, an Ultimo Dragon thing, or did he just do the the straight jump one? He did the straight jump one, but that was years after. Oh, uh, I wasn't sure if it was also yeah, a thing it, that he uh, he he did first. No, but yeah, he definitely was the one that called it slice bread number two. Because it was better than sliced bread number one. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, the other finish he did where he used to do the slingshot and the Oklahoma roll was the left turn at Albuquerque. Yeah, the left turn at Albuquerque. Yeah, I remember that because that was the name of – it was Best of Spanky Volume 2 Left Turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love that the Volume 2s of your best ofs all have fun names. Like what was the – the backseats was Dream Sequence, right? Yeah, it's just named after moves. I love it. I love it. So, uh, so all right, let's let's – Let's get down to it, man. So what made Paul London and Brian Kendrick great? Like I said earlier, um, but just more reduced, they are the embodiment of what a WWE small wrestler, cruiserweight, whatever you want to call, should be, is Brian Kendrick if you're small. If you're a little bit bigger than, than Paul London is, like, I it's just crazy when I watch those matches I'm just like man I wonder if they like walk through to the back and like the agents were just like oh my god just like gushing every time like bro you did all you did were forearms it was amazing you know what I mean yeah uh I would say similarly because uh, so like they're one of those teams that when you look at them you're like oh yeah I see it of course they'd be a team but they really are so different uh Oh, definitely. That's the thing. I also like that, you know, you did get personalities. Let's not take that away, too. We'll also put that in there, too. Like, Spanky had, like, that long run beforehand. Remember him as the guy who was streaking, the guy who was cutting promos on rap battling with John Cena? Like, he was his own type of charisma. And then Paul London comes in as just, the you know, the intrepid traveler he's been known as, well, Paul, you know, and, cosmic. Uh, yeah. He's just out. And Paul came in, and before all this, Paul had already had that run with the Cruiserweight title and with Billy Kidman. Yeah, so you know what I mean? They were their own, they had their own, A, good ratches, and their own good personas. When you put them together, it just made sense because it was just like, you know, they're young, they fly around, they've got long hair, they look like they'd be fun, friends, it just, it just made sense. Right, but they, their work was definitely uh, much different uh, and worked together. But as we discussed earlier, it worked because they you could tell WWE always wanted to do something with both of them. You know, it wasn't like 
neither of them were ever really sitting around waiting for something to do. WWE was always ready to find something for them. And they kind of just hit it on the head when they put them together. And we're like, oh, yeah, this, of course, this. Yeah, unfortunately, that may have been that may have been something that worked for him and didn't work for him. The times, like I bet you at a different time, yeah, they both would have had single runs on their own and been perfectly fine. But at this, once again, this weird oh five, oh six, oh seven era of WWE was weird with these brand splits and everything. So yeah, the the, the way to maximize them was to put them together. Yeah, and maximize they did to the tune of 334 days as SmackDown Tag Champs. You don't get a record that long and you ain't great. Right, right. There's a, What was the other team we did where we were like, ooh, they didn't really get to wrestle anybody because there really wasn't anybody around, but man, they were good. <laughs> was, it, was it Impact Players? Was that the... Yeah, they were definitely ones. Yeah, they had a weird division they had to run. Like impact players is one. There's 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 been others, but it's it's not it's not a knock on them, you know, it's a just, you know, they had to do more with less, honestly, cuz uh, once again, I watched them wrestle the Dicks and the Gemini and uh Deuce and Domino. I love uh Domino. Deuce and Domino were terrible. Oh, brother. Terrible. We didn't even get into it because I didn't even want to. They were terrible. <laughs> we skipped it. We skipped. I skipped it for a reason too. I saw it and was like, "Jeez, Louise!" Terrible. So, like, if anything, their lack of a tag division is more of an indictment on how great they were. It's true. You know, what I mean, that's the thing. You'd think this is all negative. It's like, no, no, no. Like, yes, they had this all stacked against them. But if you were a fan at the time, you didn't necessarily. You weren't necessarily like feeling that because you were like, oh, the chance were always having good matches. You know what I mean? Like, I remember living through that time. I didn't feel that way per se. I was like, okay, yeah, there are some weird teams like Idols and Stevens and stuff. But I was like, I didn't actively think like, oh, it's bad. You didn't know it at the time because you know what I mean? We were still getting, I was, you know, we were fans. So we were happy anytime we got London and Kendrick on the TV. So, you know what I mean? Any match they had, it was just, I was such a fan of the team that I didn't. I didn't know how bad the division was because I was like, oh, crap, they're champions. I get to watch them a lot. Yeah, right. For sure. For sure. If the WWE just built a decent tag division at that point, what what could have been? Yeah, I know. That's the problem. I think now, and I'm just like, oh, man, imagine if they come across a little later or like now or had an NXT to go to type thing. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, All right. So uh, I have defeated the team of Paul London and Brian Kendrick before. Ooh. Okay. I do hold a win over the hooligans, Lundrick. I think in that match they called themselves the dickheads because they got masks to wear out and they kind of looked phallic in the front. I believe I've pinned Paul London in a four-way, so I know something. <laughs> All right. How would we defeat the team of Paul London Bright? I'm gonna say, and let's 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 put parameters on. Let's say, let's say how would we defeat uh Oh, oh, six, oh, seven, Paul London and Brian Kendrick. I got it. I got it. We slow them down. Because, <laughs> like, that's the thing. I watch all these matches, and like we said, they maximize their minutes, man. Like, if they're in there for, like I said, they had action packed at six minutes and action packed at 13 minutes. So we got to make them not as action packed. Got it. And we need to force them to do big moves. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's not their forte. Unfortunately, you know, us in the era we're in now, it's kind of like an arms race the way I look at it a lot of times. So it's like, okay, we got to bring our bombs. They don't have bombs. Sure. Uh, I was going to say the way when I was watching, you have to make one of them because they, they are to a degree high risk. You have to make one of them make a mistake that really sets them in a bad position. Paul London. He's crazy. Well, right like that aforementioned Deuce and Domino match. Should you watch the match where they lose the tag titles? Um, I, I, Do they lose them in that? Paul Lennon moonsaults to the floor and just never gets up? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, I don't think that's the one I saw. So that is how they eventually lose it. I was so disheartened watching it. I was like, that's how they eventually lose that after almost a full year with them? That is how you do it to Deuce and Domino? 
But that's okay. <laughs> so what you're saying is if we want to win, we need to incorporate some Deuce and Domino? No, we need to – Paul Lennon just misses oh, okay. a moonsault to the floor and just never gets up. Okay. I th- I, for a second, I was like, wait, you, you want us to go Deuce and Domino on them? No, no. Definitely anything anything but that. We are not doing a, a, a bear hug uh, back hook kick because that was Deuce and Domino's weird finish. Oh, the one I saw, one of them did the Jimmy Raveney, and I was just like, ay, ay, ay. Woof. <laughs> so, next week, join so, us yeah, for like I said, Domino. Slow him. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. Like I said, if we're going to beat him, we got to slow him down, yep. and we got to make him hit big moves and hope Paul London kills himself somehow. Well, yeah, so... Even though, he's, even though he's the Mr. Do Not Die. I think if we just keep raising the bar, they will... You know, it's their nature. They'll they'll chase. They'll chase. If we keep upping it, they're they're not going to just get. You know, keep throwing punches and forearms. They're going to up the ante too. Yeah, but they're they're past their depth. They ain't used to that. That's that's unknown territory. So for them. then Paul tried to do something crazy, and we just move out of the way. Or he lands on us, and we break our leg. Well. <laughs> Bringing it full circle, bring it back to Chris Marvel. Chris Marvel, we still remember you. We did not forget. That's right. That's right. Texas Wrestling Academy represent Fast Eddie, Don Juan. Rudy Boy Gonzalez, your 619 was amazing. <laughs> the whole crew, what up? Yeah. Shout outs to that white band they used to Yeah, come that's in. it, man. Texas Wrestling Academy tag team, London and Kendrick. That was them. We did it. Oh, let's bring it circle yeah they both they both trained under rudy boys so yeah there we go all the way back these guys go all the way back to texas yeah man and uh it's it's funny that we did this team i just i didn't realize that brian kendrick had uh retired from active ring competition yeah no i just heard that too what was that a week ago yeah that video came out i guess he's been for a while but just you know quietly just you know he didn't say anything Uh, that's how i'm gonna do it someday i'm just gonna stop yeah, oh no, yeah, that's the way to I'll do it. I'll just float into doing something else or or whatever. Uh I'm I'm no pomp and circumstance. Uh yeah, just someday a, a WWE.com video will come out and you'll find out that I stopped wrestling. But I did also, we didn't get a chance to, I'll put it here as a button at the end. Once again, great tag team. They had their run, they did the indies, they did some great stuff. Let's also put some respect. Brian also worked his balls off and made it back to WWE after all this to have a good run as a cruiserweight. So, yeah, shouts to him. And then, yeah, ultimately, respect on a great career. I'll never forget seeing him at the first ROH show where he went for, I think it was sliced bread, and got shoved and hit his head on the post and busted his head open huge. But I learned in that moment, I go, yo, that got him over. Like, the match was good. It was him and Jay Briscoe. It was a good match, but I was like, oh, him getting busted open hard way? I go, that made him over in this territory, like, at least for a year. So now in my life, I've always been trying to look for that moment where, like, you know, you get that weird thing that happens that isn't necessarily a good thing, but just makes you super over in that area forever. So like ever since that moment, he's been a number one with me for a while. Yeah, man. And, and TNA X division, uh, he's, he's had, he's Brian Kendrick himself has had like six wrestling careers. Yeah. Let's not, well, there was also Leonardo Spanky, yeah. his run in Japan. Oh, yeah. Like, Hey, yeah, we'll, we'll end this by putting some respect on Brian. Kendrick. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, calling it, calling it a, and a career at least for active in ring but still you know he's one of the uh, he's absolutely one of the best cruiserweight minds in professional wrestling history absolutely no questions asked he is so the fact that he's working with the guys on 205 live and nxt is like perfect you couldn't ask for a better dude to be doing it yeah man that's it. That's that's Paul London. That's Brian Kendrick. And next, and this is this is episode forty nine. Cheech. Yeah. Woo. I'm just saying, we started this because of pandemic, and like oddly enough, there's we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, kind of, sorta. I got my first shot in the arm. Like you know, it's it's a whole new world. We're we're almost at big fifty episodes. Like, boy, I'm at. Think about all the nuttiness since episode one. <laughs> and now we're going all the way to episode 50. Woo, baby. Five 
Oh, so next week we've already got our our team chosen. We 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 keep we keep certain teams in the back pocket for milestones. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, fifty is definitely a milestone. Are you gonna let them know, or what are you? How are you? How are you still gonna handle this? Yeah, sure, we can let them know. Uh, so next week for episode fifty, the team we've kept in the back pocket is not Stingin' Luger. We are gonna go. No, <laughs> they're they're still in the back pocket. Get ready. You gotta wait fifty more episodes. They're one hundred. Uh, we are going to do the Legion of Doom. We're doing the Road Warriors for episode fifty. Uh, arguably the greatest tag team of all time. Uh, so we figured fifty is a good time to uh, to 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 get it done. Argue. I mean, there uh, we'll we'll discuss next week. But highly ranked uh, on we we discuss these lists every week. I'm gonna uh, I guarantee their championship and accomplishments is gonna be probably. 40% of the episode. Oh, no, no. They're definitely worthy of this illustrious placement on our yeah, list. For sure. For sure. So, uh, yep, we, we've made it to 50 somehow. So join us next week when we're talking about the Road Warriors. Until then. Adios.